We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Pack-A-Day podcast, Saturday, March 21st, and we're glad that you're listening to us, but honestly, what else do you have to do since you can't leave your house, there's nothing at the stores, and all the restaurants are closing down, but I digress. It is the Pack-A-Day podcast. I am Jason Perrone, along with my co-host of Cheesehead TV and Dairyland Express, Paul Brettel. Paul, happy Saturday. Happy Saturday, Jason. Hope everyone out there is doing all right in the in the midst of what we're all dealing with. And um, hopefully sports are back a lot sooner than later. Yeah, I got to tell you, we're all dealing with a lot right now. And I just want to just tell everybody my cheesy line of the day before we get into the escapism portion of the show. Everyone, just be good to each other. Stay calm. And eventually, we will get through this whole thing. So... Glad to have everyone aboard, and it's always fun to talk some Packers, and this week, obviously, we had some stuff to talk about, Paul, which is kind of cool, so let's start with, well, the, the most recent news as of the time that we're recording this show is that the Packers are obviously not looking to bring back fullback Danny Vitale. It sounds like he's close to a deal with the New England Patriots. Before he was injured last year, Vitaly had a couple of moments. Wasn't a big role player on offense, but I know that he had the endorsement of the quarterback, which is obviously very important in Green Bay. So, Paul, thoughts on Danny Vitaly potentially departing and what that might mean for the offense? Um, from the offensive perspective, just given how little he was utilized last year, I don't think it's going to be a big issue 
uh, going forward or this or, you know, another big need that needs to be taken care of in addition to the ones that they already have. However, I will say I was a bit surprised and I wrote about this both in season right after the season ended at um, how little he was being used. Um, He played just under 16 percent of Green Bay's total offensive snaps last year. And we know that the Lafleur offense mirrors Kyle Shanahan's out in San Francisco, where fullback Kyle Juszczyk um, plays a much more important role there than Vitaly does here. Now, I'm not saying that those are the same players. Juszczyk is more accomplished in his career up to this point. But at Northwestern, Vitaly had over 1,400 receiving yards. We saw in small doses last year when the opportunity that he could get open and be a threat in the passing game potentially. And if anything, just him being on the field's a decoy. You know, he's a matchup problem with the skill set that he does have. He's not the traditional NFL fullback, which has gone to the wayside. He's the, you know, he's more the model of the super back, I guess. You know, line up all over the formation, catch, run, block, all that stuff. Um, but we also don't know the whole story. We don't know what was going on behind the scenes in practice or anything like that. And obviously his lack of playing time, I'm sure that there are absolutely valid reasons. But like I said, from the outside looking in, um, that was just something that was a bit of a head scratcher for me throughout the season. Yeah, he was kind of an enigma at times, you know, because Aaron Rodgers was giving him the endorsements, like I said, which is always a big deal. So how did that happen if he's not a huge contributor in some way, shape, or form? But, you know, then again, I know it's going to frustrate some people to hear this who are very discipled. What is what is the descriptor? Disciplistic? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't Disciples know of Aaron Rodgers who believe that when he endorses someone, that is all it takes and ordained. So I think the Packers will be fine. They can find as, as much as we like Danny Vitale's personality. And I know Packers fans get very attached to their beloved players. They can find a dynamic back that is going to be able to do a lot of what the Danny Vitale did and frankly probably more and more athletic running backs are are easy to find that's just the reality right now it's it's an easy way into football Paul I would say but it's not an easy way through football because running backs just don't seem to be lasting very long anymore in case in point Todd Gurley is no longer with the Los Angeles Rams right we're seeing running backs Melvin Gordon is still a free agent we're seeing running backs not get that second contract and we've got one we got two that are coming up next year that are going to do contracts and Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams I have to think that this might be telegraphing what the Packers could decide to do any quick thoughts on that uh I mean I my stance hasn't changed on it I, I love Aaron Jones but it's going to become a money proposition. Yeah, I mean, if you look around the NFL, the top four highest paid run last year, David Johnson, Ezekiel Elliott, Todd Gurley, and uh, Le'Veon Bell, the, their teams all missed the playoffs. Now, that's not I'm not pushing blame onto them and saying they're the reason why they missed it, but we've also seen with past Super Bowl winners that you don't necessarily need a top paid running back to be able to win. And Aaron Jones is a prime example. of You can find someone in round five. Um, that can turn into a productive player. So for me, if he's going to be hit, if he has another year in 2020, like he did last year and he hits the open market and he's making 12, 13, you know, 14 million a year, potentially, that's going to be tough for um, me to justify, especially considering next year's free agents also include David Bakhtiari, Corey Lindsley, um, Kevin King as well. And all of those are very easily arguable that those are just more important positions than what the running back is. However, it came out at the combine that Green Bay was looking in or potentially discussing a contract extension with them. And if he could get if they could bring him back on a deal that's similar to Austin Eckler's, 
that averages out to seven ish, you know, even if it goes higher and tops out at eight million a year on average, you know, that I'd be okay with because he played a huge role in this offense. For as much as the offense sputtered last year, could you imagine it without Aaron Jones? <laughs> right. And I think Aaron Jones would be wise to listen to what you're saying right now, Paul, because do you want to get a four year deal around seven million and play it out and make the money? Or do you want to take the four-year deal in an average of $15 million per, but chances are after a season or two, the team might regret it, decide to cut you, move you on, and then you don't necessarily make as much. I think running backs now are almost, no one wants to, they don't want to not get the bag. But, and I'm, a, you know, I, I'm in, approaching my mid-40s, so my outlook on life's a little bit different than a 22-year-old or a 25-year-old, and I understand that. But give me four years of guaranteed income and a little more security for my family, especially if you've got kids and you're moving around, then a quick one-year payday, and then you could potentially be done. I mean, look at Melvin Gordon right now. He tried to bet on himself, didn't work out too well for him, and he's going to get paid something, but he didn't He didn't get what he wanted, and he missed a bunch of, of football because of it. Yeah, no, absolutely. And then the other thing that we also have to discuss with Aaron Jones, and hopefully it doesn't continue going forward, and we didn't see it last year, but injuries. I mean, he missed time in his first and second year, and, um, you know, durability is obviously huge with any position but especially the running back so it's also just another factor that weighs into all this um but we assume we hope we expect that green bay is going to add at least one dynamic receiver whether it's remaining free agents or in the draft hopefully it's two if not three so we hope the passing game gets a boost but i mean if they're relying heavily on him once again next year from their perspective it's going to be tough to just move on from that as well even if he does carry that hefty price tag he's a big part of the offense Aaron Jones for his experience and what he can do and he's likable and all the other intangible things I'd like to see him stay but it's got to be at the right price now when I go through yeah and I know that's what you're saying too when I go through and I do the few mock drafts that I've done for those that are into that Paul, I hope that is a really tasty Wisconsin beverage you're sipping on over there. That that looks pretty tasty. What what do you got? What do you got in the glass there? Got Miller Lite. Oh, there there we go. There we go. <laughs> Miller, no longer the sponsor of the home of the Milwaukee Brewers, which will always be shocking to me. Are you gonna okay, quick sidebar, because we we're bored. We ain't got nothing to do. Are you gonna call it AmFam Stadium or are you gonna always refer to it as Miller? It'll always be Miller Park. There you go. Exactly. When County Stadium was there. It was always county. Well, it always was counties. But when it was there, if they had changed names, no. It's like the same thing as Comiskey Park. Same thing as the Sears Tower. It's all those all those iconic buildings. So good for you. Cheers. I'd clank a glass if I had one. I think in my glass right now is just water. I'm lame at the moment. So yeah, I mean the money the money thing is is important and it's got to make sense. But Aaron Jones does a lot of things for that offense, and I think experience is intangible. Well, like what I was going to say was the mock drafts that I've done. It, it always seems to be like a, a running back like a Zach Moss always seems to be right there in round three. There's obviously going to be some movement, so that may or may, or may not change. And I know that LaFleur said he wants a, to add a running back to this group. Dexter Williams clearly is not high on their radar or high on their priority list right now. So we could end up being surprised with how early the Packers decide to address that position. You know, I know mocks are, are not exact science, and me doing one is not the same as a, an NFL scout or a pro, but... You know, that, that could be something to watch, I think, as, as far as, as that position. Yeah, no, I 100% agree because Aaron Jones isn't a free agent after this year. Jamal Williams is as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, obviously, at this point, we hope Aaron Jones is back, but we don't know that. And also, the same goes for Jamal Williams. So, running back needs to be 
you know, addressed in this draft. I'm not saying that it should be a top three pick, but at some point round four and beyond, if they get one or, I mean, they have 10 picks, heck, even if they get two, they took Jones and uh, Jamal at the same time. I think it's definitely something that they have to do one because of you, what you referenced with the floor, um, wanting an additional running back on the roster to be able to rely on, but also just planning for the future as well. Cause we don't know, um, what the future holds for these two. Yeah, Jamal Williams too. Yeah, that's, it's, so what are they going to do? Well, it's okay. You know, not a big deal. Running back, you know, we'll just go ahead and pick one up because there's no other needs that Tunis has to address in the draft there. So we should right, be, exactly. uh, you know, no problem. You know, we'll just, uh, you know, we'll pick three or four and we'll, we'll see which uh, ones rise to the to the crop of it all. No, the draft is going to start to become a big topic of conversation if and when that thing actually does happen. Uh, since we last spoke, there's a CBA. We've, uh, I know that a lot of our counterparts on the show have already talked about the CBA and and some of the the things from it. Uh, I, I just at this point right now, let's see how it plays out and see how this new format goes. As a fan of a team that was a number two seed this year, selfishly, I don't know how much I love the number two seed not getting that bye week any longer. But there's an extra week of football that's going to be played, so that's that's not too bad, right? No, we'll definitely take that. Um, the big thing is if. I'm not a fan of the playoff expansion. Um, you know, if any, I think it was fine at where it was, but I'm one of those people where I'd vote for less before I voted for more. So going to 14 teams, which is almost half the league, that's that's a lot in my opinion. Yeah, well, unfortunately, the less that the players got was prep and practice time. So I hope that doesn't make the beginning of the season the slop fest that we've seen the past couple of years and they're going to be reducing the preseason which i think we can all agree is a good thing it's just mm-hmm. not helpful and useful and it's still game simulation game speedings are putting themselves at risk so wins and losses but a lot of movement a lot of movement around the nfl a lot of player movement a lot of stuff has happened in the league and as far as the packers again i know it's been discussed on our show uh, several times uh, at this point as of recording time Paul we talked about this before we started today Ken Ingles latest projection for the spendable cap for Green Bay is under a hundred thousand dollars currently so when we look at potential moves the team could make if they want to sign another veteran if they want to at make a trade if they want to extend somebody money is going to be a huge factor in all of that so when when you say oh go sign emmanuel sanders go trade for brandon cooks you got to think about the the money and the and what it's going to do to cap and what the packers are going to have to result because not just this year but next year next year you've got Corey lindsley david bakhtiari aaron jones jamal williams kevin king kenny clark all of those guys right now are currently unaccounted for right so mm-hmm. does it make sense to mortgage this year and lose a bunch of those guys next year? You know, I would I would say not. And some people think this salary cap is is a complete myth. Yeah, there's things that you can do, but there's a there's a trickle down if you do that. And that includes even something like releasing Lane Taylor. Everyone thinks, "Oh, that's so simple, just release Lane Taylor, free up some space." Yeah, but then you're, you know, you're leaving the offensive line a little bit holeish there. There's a hole in the line. So on the Lane, the Lane Taylor topic, Paul, are you an advocate of keeping him right now or would you be okay if the team did decide hey we're going to free up some space and let him go for the- um i'm fine with them moving on from him i would prefer that they trade him versus cut him he's a proven uh starting nfl guard he was injured in 
you know, he fought through injuries in 2018, and I think that was a contributor to the down season that he had. And then obviously last year he missed most of the year as well. But he's proven that he can play and be a starting caliber NFL guard, and there's a need for that around the league. So rather than just flat out cut, they should try to shop him around and try to get some draft picks or, you know, maybe there's a player on another team where, you know, a trade and some draft capital aligns. But I'm fine with that reason being just his cap hit. It's about $5 million. And for a backup offensive guy, offensive guard, I just, I think that's a little high. Did Lucas Patrick, you know, so he's going to be able to fill in, but they have their starting line right now. You know, Wagner fills in for Blaga, but Lindsley, Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins and Billy Turner are all still there. So would that be nice for depth? It absolutely. But just to have that on the bench, I think if they can find a way to move on and trade him, that that would be best in my opinion. That frees up for about four and a half million dollars for them to use um, at some point. So that makes sense. To, and just to expound a little bit on what you said about Ken's um, salary cap projections. So what he has right now is he has, and keep in mind, this is before the Will Redmond acquisition that took place um, but he has 12.6 million in cap space available with the top 51 now there's other factors they would have to consider so draft picks that are upcoming that's going to take up roughly two million dollars and then after that um, we have to have money for in-season transactions you know last year they signed jared valdier and tyler Irvin. we need money available just in case they got to bring someone in they also need money for the practice squad and the 52nd, 53rd players on the roster. So that brings the total of spendable money under that $100,000 mark. But with the top 51, Ken has them at $12.6 million. But obviously, as I just stated, money has to be set aside um, for other uses as well. And there's ways that we can they can free it up. You know, We just talked about Lane Taylor. Um, if they extend Bakhtiari or Kenny Clark, that's going to lessen their cap hit in 2020. Um, Another one is they could convert some of Zadarius Smith's bonus. That'll save some cap space as well. So there's definitely moves that they can make. But at this point, you know, some of the top guys left, like a Robbie Anderson, I just don't, that's just not going to happen. Any additions that they make are going to be more kind of mid-level guys like a Christian Kirksey or Ricky Wagner or some, you know, value depth signings like they did with Mercedes Lewis, you know, for a couple million dollars. So and Brian Gudigans told us this before he went to the combine. He had a press conference that this year wasn't going to be like last, and it hasn't been. And you know they just have less um, uh, spending power this offseason. Thank God it's not. And you want you want a smart guy at the wheel. I think that the Packers. You remember, you remember when when they were going to do three headed monster structure? It was Russ Ball and Brian Gudigans, Mark Murphy, Mike McCarthy was head coach and all that kind of stuff. And for say what you will about Russ Ball, but I think. Russ Ball and Brian Goodwin obviously are holding each other accountable, check, and this team is viable financially all the time. You don't want to be strapped, and I think that the Packers are definitely next year. Of all those guys I are up at, they're not all going to be back next year. It's just not possible. No. You know, the Packers are going to want to get better. They're going to make some outside moves. They're willing to do that finally, so those guys are not all going to be back, but they're going to at least be able to pick the right ones to stay for that I'm grateful. Yeah, no, I 100% agree that Russ Ball does a fantastic job with the salary cap. The Packers really haven't been in any sort of cap trouble that you see other teams getting themselves into. Um, I mean, those guys know what they're doing. And like I said, Goody set the expectation before the season started. Well, last year was really, really fun. 
and it's nice that those four signings all panned out, you know, obviously to certain levels, but they all panned out and they improved at those positions. That's fantastic, but that's not the norm. You know, expecting your team to go out and make three, four big splash signings every year just isn't, I guess, unless you're a Los Angeles Rams fan because they somehow managed to do that. But uh, <laughs> for long-term financial success, it's not realistic either. So uh, I, obviously I trust those. Yeah, and just so you know, Paul, and I'm sure you're but apparently it's now Rick. He dropped the Y. It's not Ricky anymore. It just goes oh, by bummer. Rick Wagner. Two-year, $11 million deal, 3.5 guaranteed, only going to count 4.8 against the cap in 2020. He is not, regardless of what anyone tells you, and I've heard some really good and smart people tell you he is really good, and I've also heard people say that he is not good, and I don't believe either are true. I think Rick Wagner is fine. He is not Brian Balaga. He is not the same as Brian Balaga, and he is not as effective as what we saw in 2019. Now, will Brian Balaga for the Chargers, best wishes to him out there in Los Angeles, will he be as good as last year? There's no guarantee. So, as you know, the optics always always kind of tell the story of how fans are going to grade things. So, if he ends up not playing well this year, everybody thinks genius for letting him go, despite everybody wanting him back. If he goes out and makes a Pro Bowl and balls out, and whoever's playing quarterback in Los Angeles doesn't ever get sacked, then everyone's going to, you know, they're going to chastise the move. But you've got to think in terms of today and for your viability. And I think Rick Wagner steps in and does an okay job. Now he's going to have his hands full because a lot of the guys that Brian Bulaga kept off of Aaron Rodgers last year are still around. Daniil Hunter is still around. Khalil Mack is still around in the division. You're going to have, you know, a, a decent front in Detroit. You're going to have good pass rushers moving around. It's, it's just a fact. You know, Brian Belaga, otherworldly, he played a full season. You know, had a couple of nicks and bruises. He's had injury issues, but he played through a full year. All the good things happen for Belaga. Can sometimes boost a guy's, you know, price, and it can maybe overvalue him a little bit. Uh, I'll just say right now, I'm, I'm okay with them moving on because I've, I've seen the Packers come out of a year too early, let a release of a player better than they haven't over the past five years. I don't know what your take is on the Bulaga departure. Yeah, no, I definitely understand the reasons why. I mean, historically, they just don't give out third contracts to offensive linemen. We saw him move on from Lang and Sitton. I think that's what you're referring to. Um, he has the injury history. He's 31 years old, but he's coming off of a very nice season. And as you mentioned, against man, some of the best edge rushers the NFL has to offer. Him and Bakhtiari really did a fantastic job. And then if you look at Aaron Rodgers going to be 37 in December not the same that just doesn't have the same mobility that he does so obviously moving on from Balaga there's some some risk involved because essentially any replacement that is going to take his place isn't going to be at his level or at least at the level that he was at in 2019 and has been at for most of his career so that's where the risk comes in um seeing that he only went for 10 million dollars was a bit of a you know that's that was originally what he was projected to make 10 million dollars per year um, and then reports came out he might be in the 12 or even $13 million range, which all but, you know, if you're hoping that he's coming back, that would have was about the final nail in the coffin. But for $10 million, I still would have been interested. But I understand, like I said, for the reasons that I mentioned, why they didn't. And they're going to go into the draft looking for the tackle of the future. But the Rick Wagner signing and the Christian Kirksey signing, they're both low-risk, um, high-value potential signings. If Wagner can, you know, he was injured last year, only played in 12 games, um, and when he was on the field, uh, struggled a little bit compared to previous seasons. But if he can play like he did in 2017, 2016, 2018, and same for Kirksey, he only has played in nine games the last two seasons combined. But if he can go back to that 2015, 16, 17 form, 
at the value at what the Packers are paying them, they're going to look like geniuses in doing this move. Um, and they're going to have saved that money. So that's really what they're going for here. However, if things go south for both or either player, um, they have a way out as well. And so that's kind of where the low risk part comes in on this from a contractual and money standpoint. But like you said, uh, Wagner, he's, he's not Brian Bulaga if they're both playing at their best, but I think he can be good enough. The question is, do you want to, is good enough good enough with uh, at the tackle position with a 37-year-old quarterback? Or do you want the best that you can find realistically? Yeah, I think they did what they had to do, and they do hope it works out. And I'll take it a step further. So Kirksey, real quick, two years, $16 million, four guarantee, only 4.125 against the cap this year, $8 million next year, but an easy out. He's at least faster than Blake Martinez. I know some really love Blake. Or they are, they're bummed. Blake Martinez ended up with the Giants. Congratulations to him. Kyler Fackrell also with the Giants. So neither of them will be back next year. They'll be in New York. Kirksey is, like you said, he's, look, look what's a value guy that we can bring in who's got some familiarity. He knows Mike Pettin, knows the scheme. So, you know, all those things matter. All those things are important. I think he'll, you know, he's saying all the right things. I think he's going to be a personality-wise for, for that locker room. You mentioned earlier, too, Mercedes Lewis, Will Redmond. We're going to start to see some more of these exclusive rights and restricted free agents sign again and come back. You know, but I do think for, you mentioned the competitiveness. And if you think about, you've got a, you know, you've got a quarterback that is getting up there in years. And don't be fooled by Tom Brady's, you know, ultra contract with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That is a a once-in-a-generation type of opportunity that a 43-year-old quarterback is getting. I don't think Aaron Rodgers is still going to be signing contracts at the age of 43. That's just me projecting right now. But, you know, because he's a different player and a different history and trajectory and such. But if the Packers are going to be competitive this season, they're going to need these guys to play to their absolute max. Like you said, Paul, go turn back the clock to 2015, 2016 numbers when they had some of their best seasons. And then the draft is going to have to be really good and strong. They're going to have to have a really good draft. If they don't and they miss on a bunch of guys, 20, 2020 is definitely going to be a regression from 2019. But again, I also say that in reminding everybody that this team won 13 games and was in a conference championship game. So a regression doesn't necessarily mean doomsday. It could just mean that, you know, they don't go as far in the playoffs or maybe if they don't make the playoffs, you know, it's the league, there's a salary cap and there's, there's things you've got to do from year to year to keep yourself competitive. And so, like you said, you have to trust what the Packers did and hope that what they did works out. Yeah. hundred percent. And, you know, with some free agent additions that teams are going to make, it's you know a box that they can check off heading into the draft. But for my, from in my opinion, you know linebacker and tackle are still going to be you know top priorities heading into the draft. You know drafting one of each within the first four rounds would be ideal. Um, as we've talked about, both these guys are still on two-year deals. There's some. Um, uh, uncertainty especially more so around Kirksey with his health the past two seasons and they can get out of both contracts Kirksey's dead cap hit after this year is only two million Wagner's is 1.75 million so if things go south they can get out of these deals but they still need their long-term solution at right tackle uh, and having a linebacker as well because there is the it I mean it's the possibility that if Kirksey um, struggles with injuries or whatever it may be this season that a year from now we could be in the same situation if they decide to move on from him and they don't have a reliable option at linebacker so I still think both those options are definitely on the table for early on in the draft as um, positions that they should attack um, but I also want to bring up it I believe it was Tom Silverstein of Packers News you know he mentioned you know without the Packers making these big additions which we've expected that they're 
rookie class has to be those additions. You know, we need to see Rashawn Gary, Kingsley Kiki, um, Darnell Savage, Jay Sternberger, even Kadar Holman. We need to see all those guys take a step forward and be that, you know, quote unquote, free agent class for the Packers and, you know, an infusion of extra production, you know, more so than some more so than others. Um, than what they did last year as a way to boost this team as well. So it's not just all expected to come in this year's draft and in free agency. Last year's rookies need to take that step forward as well. They do, and I think some of them will. You have to trust in the Packers that they've got the right guys. And listen, the NFL can turn very quickly. It can change very quickly. In fact, while we've been chatting here, the Broncos, Ian Rappaport reporting, Broncos and running back Melvin Gordon, are a marriage two years 16 million 13 and a half guaranteed so if you look at that so that's two years 16 million that's 8 million per average per year average paul you gave a number for aaron jones that was around six seven million when you compare jones to melvin gordon i think you might get your wish i don't know does this does this make you feel better about aaron jones staying with the packers yeah it's definitely a good sign uh gordon got a good chunk of that guaranteed as well 13 of the 16 million guaranteed but I mean, yeah, if Jones comes in around that eight million average mark, like I said, for how important he was to this offense, that's that'd be tough for Green Bay to, you know, turn around if or turn down if that's something that they can get him at. They'd have to really like a running back, and there are a couple in this draft that are, are pretty good, but where do you draft them? I mean, some team is gonna overdraft guys like J.K. Dobbins. Jonathan Taylor to me, I think, is worth an early draft pick. Unfortunately, the Packers aren't in a position to take a running back that early, in my opinion. Uh, they may decide he's just too good to pass on, and maybe well, they'll surprise us and they'll add not just a badger, but a phenomenal badger. I, I listen, we never know what college guys are going to turn into in the pros. I have a hard time believing Jonathan Taylor is not going to become a fantastic professional football running back. So, but you know, guys like Dobbins, Zach Moss, uh, my guy Eno Benjamin at Arizona State, to name a couple. There's other. There's a, there's a bunch of other guys too that are are you know rated higher and ranked higher than that. They're gonna go, and I, I just I think uh, you can find good talent because a lot of kids right now, like I said, it's an easy way into the NFL because teams are turning running backs so much. You know they're turning they're turning guys and they've got two or three now. Whereas before they would carry two, they'd have a fullback and they'd carry a bunch of wide receivers. And this NFL is becoming so dynamic with all the jet sweeps and motions, directions, and all that kind of stuff. You know, yeah, it might only be a four or five year career, but would you rather play in the NFL for four or five years or not at all? So I think there's going to be a lot of options at running back, and I think they're going to come in a value spot. Could even be in the middle of this draft. Case in point. The two guys that are on the roster right now, Jamal Williams and Aaron Jones, who you both just mentioned. So yeah, I agree. Uh, Melvin did get, he did well for himself though. I mean, he got, you know, that's a good, what, 90% of that contract is guaranteed. Mm -hmm. And for a guy that, you know, I mean, he's run well, but Melvin Gordon hasn't been otherworldly and he's had some injury issues too. So, but now the Broncos have Philip Lindsay and Melvin Gordon in that backfield. I'll, I'll just say this. I'm glad that the Packers played the Broncos last year. Yeah, right. Especially with uh, how they were gashed up the middle by running by um, running offenses. Um, I just want to add about the draft as well on the running back point. You know, if someone like a J.K. Dobbins or Jonathan Taylor is around in round three, I would definitely be open to that. But as far as taking one, I still think round, you know, four at the earliest or five and beyond is probably what works best, you know, in my opinion, as far as getting the value, especially with the other positions that they have to address. One other position I want to bring up. That hasn't been talked about a ton. Um, I've been hammering this a lot this offseason. There's a good core. Obviously, Jair Alexander's potential all-pro. Kevin King 
you know, he had his breakout season last year, led the team in interceptions, was able to stay healthy for the most part. But after that, we really get into some unknowns. We already mentioned that King's a free agent after this year. Chandon Sullivan emerged uh, over the second half of the season. I think he has the potential to take over the slot corner role if Tremont Williams isn't back. But still, we're really just going off of a, you know, a six-game sample size. Josh Jackson struggled to see the field. Um, Kadar Holman flashed in the preseason, but still don't fully know what we have in him. Obviously, we hope he take a, takes a step forward, but we, that still remains to be seen. Um, and if you're wondering where Tony Brown is, he was cut at the end of the year. So um, there's just a lot of question marks. So for me, I'm looking at some of these more cost-effective, affordable free agents that are left. For me, Tremont Williams is on that list. You know, he's I think he just turned 37 years old, but he was really good last year as their slot corner. And even if his responsibilities are phased out a little bit in 2020, as we hopefully see um, like Chandon Sullivan emerge, I still think having that stability and someone that you can rely on is needed. And then obviously attack it in the draft. Um, but some other names, you know, Taylor Gabriel at wide receiver was released by the Bears, had injuries last year, but from 2016 to 2018 was really good. Uh, speedy guy that can attack the middle of the field. And then Snacks Harrison, former Lion and Giant on the defensive line, I think is someone else that um, could and should be on their radar as well. Yeah, you mentioned Tremont Williams, and there's one of those nostalgic names that I was talking about earlier. That and, and this is not nostalgia in the terms of like Clay Matthews, for example. Clay Matthews released by the Rams. There's been some discussion about whether or not the Packers consider bringing him back to play on the inside. Something that he did really well five, six years ago when the Packers in 2014 were pushing for a title. We're years later now, and Clay actually played pretty well for the Rams last year. I don't, I don't know that that would be something that you just before camp or maybe in the middle of training camp, if he's still not signed, you don't have an option in the middle. Tremont at corner. Tremont is kind of an anomaly. On the one hand, he is getting up there in years, and eventually his skills are going to decline, but we just haven't seen the same type of decline for his age that most guys his age have. So I wouldn't mind them bringing him back, but I'd like to see once again that be something they do later because of the value, the cost, and because they didn't find it in the draft. But I like I like what you're thinking there. He's got to obviously be on the radar, and my assumption is right now he'd rather come back to Green Bay than have to play for yet another. Yeah, absolutely. And obviously at 37 years old, the length of the contract and the cost is obviously going to be huge in this. But if they can get him for on a one-year deal for even you know three, four million dollars, I definitely think it's worth it just for that stability that he brings. Just because there's just so much unknown, you know, and he's not in his athletic prime anymore. Obviously at 37 years old, but. Before last season started, Mike Patton talked about the reason that he is um, such a good slot corner is because it's such a cerebral position, you know, and he has that experience that he can lean on. So he may not be as quick or as fast as he once was, but the experience that he brings makes up for that, uh, you know, as we saw last year. Yeah, he made a couple plays. <laughs> I mean, he made a he had a, a really nice pick in the game that I was at against Carolina in the end zone was a nice little play that was made there. So, um, yeah, a lot of good things. A lot of good things going on there for, for the Packers if they want to go that route to try to fortify things or kind of solidify things. Um, as far as Packers stuff, that's about it, Paul. I don't know if I'm missing anything, but uh, we're going to have to keep an eye out for the, on the next couple of weeks just to see what, what happens. Obviously, with our ever-changing situation, the next big thing might be maybe the movement of the draft. If they decide to move the draft or maybe we get a little bit of better news. I'm going to keep my fingers crossed that 
that it's a little bit of better news. I'm in the hospitality industry, so I am I'm going to be free for a while. I'll just put it that way, and then we'll see from there. A lot of things up in the air in my world. A lot of my my brothers and sisters out there dealing with the same thing. So if anybody's in that situation right now, keep your head up. If anybody needs anything, obviously I you know find me on Twitter. I'm at Jason Perone. My DMs are open. Hit me up. Let me know if anybody needs anything. These are tough times. we got to take care. And, Paul, you're still doing great work, and this is going to keep everybody entertained and occupied. So remind everybody where they can find your great work. Obviously, you're over at Cheesehead TV and uh, Dairyland Express. How can they follow you on social media? Yep, right for both of those places. And um, you can find me on at Paul underscore Brettel, B-R-E-T-L, over on Twitter. Awesome. All right, man. Well, we'll, I know you and I will talk again soon because we've got our other show that we do, and hopefully we're doing that again real soon. And otherwise, we will be back in about two weeks. So before we go, everybody, for those of you in the colder climates, stay warm. Everybody take care of each other. And as always, go Pack Go.
Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.